Hello, and welcome to the In It podcast, where we talk about the latest trends in public transit and look into the future of mobility through the eyes of leading industry experts. I'm your host, Ann Derby, and today we're talking about automated vehicles and their integration with public transit. Will they transform transit? Here to talk about this today are two autonomous vehicle research and implementation experts. Our first guest has more than seven years of experience as a faculty researcher at the Virginia Tech Transportation Institute, where he has focused on the research, development, and implementation of connected and automated vehicle systems. Over the life of his career, he has been involved in more than 30 intelligent transportation system projects and has led project development engineering of complex hardware and software solutions to serve defense, commercial maritime, public transportation, rail, and healthcare industries. Reggie Ray, welcome to the Init Podcast. Thank you, Ann. Our second guest is a frequent speaker for on-demand driverless and human-driven mobility systems. As the Director of Sales Europe for Best Mile, he helps empower mobility providers to deploy, manage, and optimize autonomous vehicle fleets. He has worked with the region's largest public transit operators on the majority of the autonomous shuttle fleets deployed to date in Europe. Luke Texier, welcome to the Init Podcast. Thanks for having me on. So, Reggie, let's start with you. It seems inevitable that autonomous vehicles will be rolled out to the public. So tell us a little bit about your research with connected and automated vehicles and describe for us the hurdles we must overcome to implement these vehicles into the transportation mainstream. Sure thing, Ann. So the work that we do at the Virginia Tech Transportation Institute really focuses on the automated vehicle systems, but more importantly, the human system interaction uh, with the vehicle as well. And I think that's kind of one of the main hurdles that you're gonna realize now is how does a human, let it be inside of the vehicle and outside of the vehicle, interact with automated vehicle systems. There could be perceptions, for example, that automated vehicle may be able to do more things than it's capable of, and there may be aspects of too over-reliance. Um, same thing as with the outside of the vehicle, particular drivers surrounding the vehicle is at expectations of how a driver should be. So in most cases, automated vehicles are going to take more of a conservative, slow approach to certain roadways, uh, drives of that nature, which may elicit people around them to drive a little bit more aggressively around those vehicles and maybe even test automated vehicles. So really one of the hugest hurdles that we're seeing was just the human factors involved with automated vehicles and how to interact with them. Because for the foreseeable future, I mean, there's still gonna be a huge percentage and it's only gonna decline very slowly over the next decade or so uh, between real drivers on the roadways and automated system driving. It's not just gonna happen overnight. These automated vehicles are gonna roll out and they're gonna roll out relatively slowly and vehicle capabilities are only gonna increase over time too. So you're not just gonna have the silver bullet of an automated vehicle on a roadway. So one thing as well with automated vehicles is just a collection of data for the surrounding environment. Uh, vehicle manufacturers are getting really smart about collecting data about what's happening on our roadways so that you can learn from those experiences. The main thing with data is that it creates a perception or idea of what they call a memory or experiences. So if a vehicle experiences a near crash collision, if that's collected in say a black box or some sort of data acquisition system, you could always pull out that data, feed it back into the automated vehicle system, the machine learning, if you will, that goes down so that it recognizes those corresponding events, things that may have happened in and around there. So it continues to learn and maybe even let the whole entire fleet know 
about what's happening with that particular situation. So that's what we're seeing a lot of, and that's kind of what the focus of our research is doing, is collecting a lot of data, let it be in controlled test track situations or scenarios uh, where we put a driver and a vehicle in known situations where it may fail, or just putting an automated vehicle or a regular driver in a real world natural environment interacting with normal people, all of which have a data acquisition, capturing the elements that are going around the car itself, the environment, collecting and saving that data and replaying it back and having the machine uh, system learn from those experiences and also know what to do the next time they have to experience that again in the real world. So that's just kind of a quick highlight of some of the work that uh, we've been doing at BTTI and some of the challenges we see and I see um, when it comes to automation. That's super interesting. Luke, there are numerous benefits touted for AVs in public transit. For instance, first and last mile services, they have the potential to make public transit more convenient and accessible while boosting ridership and revenue. They also have the potential to make mobility more accessible to demographics who might not currently drive or take public transit due to their age or disability. Luke, can you tell us a little about your work with AV implementations in Europe and describe for us the paybacks your customers are experiencing so far? Sure. Uh, regarding the AV implementations in Europe, first of all, let's get everybody on the same page. At the, at the moment in Europe, uh, an autonomous vehicle is mainly a driverless shuttle, which is, as you mentioned, used in public transportation use cases, uh, mainly first and last mile. For good reason, those vehicles have been designed to provide services first and last mile, so they have the, the battery capacity and the speed uh, um, for such use cases. Uh, it's an important reminder because uh, when we talk about AVs, uh, it includes different types of vehicles. And the one that is really uh, in operations today is really the driverless shuttle for public transportation, not really the autonomous cars. It's something more happening in the US. And the driverless shuttle bus, sorry, or minibus is something that is being developed, uh, but it doesn't exist yet uh, besides very small proof of concepts. So just to, to be on the same page as, as to what, what, what vehicles we're talking about. And, uh, and obviously by law, not just in Europe, but worldwide as well, all these vehicles are supervised by a safety driver uh, that has to be located inside the vehicle. And of course, the work of the whole industry at the moment is to, is to remove the safety driver or to uh, get this, this driver out of the vehicle somewhere uh, nearby uh, or remotely uh, located in a control center. So if you look at the big picture, as of today, we've got about 100 vehicles altogether in operations. Uh, more have been built, but they are not necessarily deployed and, uh, and used on a daily basis. We, in fact, provide the, our technology to many of those services. Just quickly, in a nutshell, BestMile is the automated control tower of these fleets the so-called autonomous vehicles uh, are able to go by themselves from A to B. But what they need on top is a remote intelligence to give them the A, the B, and how to get from A to B. Very much like expensive airplanes need traffic control network to fly uh, us around efficiently and safely. So very much the same concept with autonomous vehicles, even more uh, in the sense that there is no pilot uh, in the inside the vehicle. So what we've been doing at, at Best Mile is to orchestrate those driverless vehicles since uh, 2013. And, and operators, as you mentioned, PTOs and, and new mobility providers are deploying those vehicles today, uh, those fleets to provide first and last mile, usually services to, uh, to the people in situations where 
the public transport infrastructure doesn't allow for larger vehicles or it just doesn't allow for for large infrastructure to provide uh, this kind of, of services so second part of your question was about the paybacks um, in fact there are Usually the experience is, is quite natural and the adoption is quite natural for the for the users. Usually very positive, uh, as you may know, the PTOs deploying autonomous vehicles and autonomous shuttles today uh, have to report back to the authorities. So usually there are public reports about the adoption and the perception from the users. And um, it's not super complicated. At the end of the day, if you move them safely to their destination, they are not too concerned about the vehicle itself. And it's interesting because I've been following the EU Commission in different groups, and there's there's a lot of questioning, you know, even at the research level about the perception, what people think, and so on and so forth. And what I see on the field, in the in the real world, if you will, is is quite a gap between all these concerns and and actually the people, you and I, actually using a transportation system on a daily basis, autonomous or not. I mean, it's usually they are not asking all those questions. They are not wondering about, you know, philosophy and what it means for the future of, you know, humanity. They just want to move from a location to another. And, and if the vehicle can do it, this is just fine. And this is something uh, to finish that we see very well with the elderly population that is happy to find a transportation system to reach a health center or to go with friends and so on and so forth. And the other end of the spectrum, the youth, uh, usually they ask us some questions because they're intrigued and that they just jump back into uh, Instagram or some other mobile games. And, you know, you don't hear them during the journey anyway. So, Luke, you mentioned driverless uh, autonomous vehicles, and many believe that AVs have the potential to drastically improve traffic safety as human error is eliminated from the equation. Reggie, let me just ask you, where do you see the use of AV technology increasing the safety of operations and passengers, or do you? And can you reference any successful uh, projects that maybe you've worked on? Absolutely. So automated vehicles, one way to think about, especially from the, the vehicle or personal travel flight vehicles, is the fact they all kind of build off of advanced driver assist features. Um, it utilizes very similar sensors, whether it be radars, cameras, supersonic, Basically, these features like a forward collision warning or automatic emergency braking are kind of the first underlying steps of automation that you're starting to fully realize are coming out. These automated technologies are coming to form of some sort of safety uh, feature built into the vehicle. So since the rollout of automatic emergency braking, we have seen a huge increase, actually, or basically a decrease in some of the uh, potential crashes that may occur. So it's certainly making an impact on society. Um, so I think that's where it's first starting. Ultimately, we see automated vehicles, especially in the U.S., like Uber, Google's uh, services as well being deployed, but they're tested in very limited scenarios and situations that are uh, geofenced at the moment. So their operational environment or operational domain is very constrained and controlled. We're starting to really see them expand out, and I think more data will show really the true impact. So it's still up for debate. I mean, I'm a proponent of it, don't get me wrong. I just think that certain environments and certain locations have certain use cases that always differ from each other and will be part of the equation. I think we're always going to keep continuing to battle with the fate that we have to keep teaching these AVs, new scenarios, new situations, uh, especially as a fleet changes between a more driver-focused area to more of automated vehicles. So there's always going to be a change and always going to be something that's continuing to improve uh, for the better with the AVs, I believe. Mm -hmm. So we talked about the safety and operations. What about the social and economic impact of AVs and public transits? 
It's been said that agencies could potentially run a higher number of vehicles for the same cost while significantly increasing jobs related to servicing and maintenance. Luke, how do you see the replacement of traditional fleets and human drivers with AVs affecting the operations of public transit providers? And are there any lessons that we have so far that we've learned from? Yeah, great question, actually. Once again, uh, a reminder, an important figure to give some context to our listeners. More than 60% of the cost of a mobility service today goes into the human resources. And, and on top of that, uh, and we see that throughout Europe, but it's even uh, stronger in some other regions like, like Singapore, uh, the youth are not interested in, in the job. They are, I mean, it's very challenging for public transport authorities and, and operators today to find drivers. So there's, there's a strong motivation to not actually remove this driver from, from the vehicle. It's just that it's getting very, very hard to find uh, drivers for those vehicles. So it's not so much about the social impact, again, depending on the regions. Uh, to my own surprise, I realized that, for example, the social impact is very much a concern in the U.S., uh, much less in Europe. In other regions, again, it's quite different. In Singapore, it's mainly because you can't find drivers or they are way too expensive. Um, so it's, it's not necessarily, depending on the region, it's not necessarily about the social impact, but it's more the economic impact. It's how to continue to run all those services. And as you know, by 2050, we most of us will live in cities. And in other words, uh, these mobility services will have to increase in size and in, uh, in frequency. And uh, if we do that, if we plan to do that with drivers, it's going to be very, very challenging. So the autonomous vehicle in public transportation, and that's the main uh, scope of application as of today, especially in Europe, uh, is to address this this concern. So there is automation of existing uh, mass transit services. And of course, on top of that, uh, the public is asking for better mobility. Uh, they are getting rid of their cars, as you know. Uh, it's a huge trend in the US, uh, which was a big surprise to many as well. Um, and for that, you need last and first mile. You need the connection from the train stations, from the metro lines. And, uh, and this will happen only with smaller vehicles. Today, we're talking about only shuttles, but I mean, PTOs didn't necessarily ask for shuttles. They are probably interested in uh, a little bit larger vehicles or longer vehicles like minibuses, six meters up to the 12 meter large bus that we all know. And, uh, and of course, all of this, um, back to the economic impact, all of this is with much less money than before. Uh, taxpayer, uh, um, I mean, money coming from taxpayers, it's, uh, it's not necessarily uh, increasing. Uh, it's probably the, the way around. Uh, so, I mean, th you have this, uh, um, this tough situation that, um, that authorities and cities have to handle. It's like to provide more services with less money. And this, uh, have we all seen in other industries in the past, uh, it only, uh, it's only possible uh, if, you, if you add robotics and automation to, to the mix. Luke, you mentioned that there's a real shortage of drivers. We are experiencing that in the U.S. today. Reggie, do you see that we would eventually replace traditionally driven vehicles um, completely? I believe so. Eventually we'll get there, but there's obviously a lot of policy and regulation that ensures that there should be a driver able to take over control. Uh, we're not there yet, I think, for certain vehicles and certain speeds to go over a certain limit uh, to completely remove them. What the United States Department of Transportation is doing is certainly looking at these use cases, looking at these publicly driven automated vehicle 
test scenarios than, like I mentioned before, Uber, Lyft, and the Google type vehicles are operating right now and actually collecting a lot of the data after they're finding how many disengagements of the automated vehicle system are occurring. So they are really looking at that and using that as a way to potentially regulate these automated vehicle systems. So I do think they'll eventually get there, but I don't think it'll be as soon as you think. And that's always been kind of a highlight is not to, at a high speed, just like a human driver could hop onto a highway, then jump right into say a rural road or jump into an urban environment. These vehicles are only going to operate, I think, in very tight spaces that are very clearly lined and well mapped out. Not to say, you know, this is going to happen or I'm not against it, but I think we should have some caution uh, where we think automated vehicle systems are going to be deployed as there's a lot of different scenarios that you and me as a driver understand. Certain acknowledgement between a pedestrian and a regular driver waving your hand, for example, to pass on automated vehicle systems aren't that great at finding out yet. Not to say they won't, but I think there's a lot of little nuances uh, that are still being determined um, before we fully get there. Right. So incorporating AVs into traditional fleets is going to require the ability to integrate with public transit backend systems. So we're talking about synchronizing schedules and optimizing service performance. Luke, tell us a little bit about the partnership and synergies between Best Mile and Init and what we bring to the table for public transit agencies considering AV technologies. Sure. So end of 2018, Init and Best Mile agreed to work together to provide uh, seamless integrations of autonomous vehicles, again, autonomous shuttles mainly at the moment, uh, with so-called traditional public transportation systems. And this is a really exciting news. It was an exciting news for the market to uh, to see two market leaders getting together and to, to send a strong signal to the market that uh, mass transit uh, transportation services and systems and, and, and all the technology that is required behind and provided by Init is there to, to stay for forever. There is no no plan today to, re, to replace this backbone and all the technology that is required to really hop on the train in the morning and get to a location 30 minutes later at a, at a very great speed. Uh, same for automated trams and, and metros and so on and so forth. But the truth is the, the orchestration, and that's what we talk about at Best Mile fleet orchestration of AVs, it's, it's another task that has its own uh, specifics and its own challenges. And that's why Best Mile is not into that market of uh, orchestrating traditional human-driven systems. It's really our genesis is in autonomous mobility and has been developed like this since uh, 2013. Um, so the point of this partnership is to basically say, okay, uh, if Init enables a, a mass transit service, let's say with a train or a tram or a bus or, or any kind of a, you know heavy kind of traditional transportation system. Then, thanks to Best Mile, uh, then you can provide, you can add first, first and last mile AV mobility, if you will, to an existing system that is enabled by Init. Uh, today again, it's a shuttle. Tomorrow is maybe it's going to be a six-meter bus, then a 12-meter bus, or some kind of other other device that uh, or other vehicle that uh, that would exist and, and and we are focusing in our partnership is to to provide this immediately not not in three years not in 10 years but 
today, uh, you can go to init and say, okay, well, we've, we've been uh, using your technology for a long time. We want to add a first and last mile, and this can be provided by, by base mile. So if you look at, you know, a map and you see, you know, mass transit service with different uh, lot of lines and stops and so on and so forth, then, you know, the customer would say, okay, I want to add first mile in here. I want to uh, continue a line, but I can't afford the tram or another bus line, but, you know, maybe I can do that with an autonomous vehicle. Uh, we would take care of the orchestration of this. And of course, we uh, we would be pushing the data back to the init uh, backend systems, and and the, the backend systems of init would be connected to our platform, and this would uh, would move back and forth. Absolutely. And the goal of the two companies, the partnership, is really to seamlessly connect autonomous mobility services with mass transit transportation networks. Exactly. Reggie, any final thoughts? A final thought, I guess, just kind of build off of the init synergies part is that you guys do certainly collect a lot of data. And as I mentioned, with automated vehicles and for them to evolve and get better over time at certain use cases, I think you guys are in a good position with the data that you do collect, that you continue to collect to give good examples and use cases for automated vehicles to learn. So with that being said, you know, if you could collect the data, you could quantify the impacts. Uh, in most cases, automated vehicles are probably gonna be deployed in pilot situations to a certain extent. So if you'd have that data to collect, you could quantify it and justify any capital investment based off any positive changes uh, that you could see from a, a safety impact, a fuel impact, for example. So I think those synergies that are currently done within it as well are really good and complementary towards it all. And one other last topic is that I know we're kind of moving towards eventually replacing humans, but I think in the medium term, uh, really is that we want to help drivers out and the passengers and the cities that they operate in, especially from a safety perspective when it comes down to automation replacing, I think it should be more of a augmenting and helping out the current drivers and the environments that they operate in. And, and one quick thing, because we are asked this question quite a bit uh, regarding the data, at BestMile, it's been very clear from day one, it's, it's gonna remain like this forever. The customer owns the data. The customer being the mobility provider in that case, of course. Agreed. Luke, Reggie, I want to thank you for joining us on the Init podcast today. Your thoughts have certainly been helpful in ironing out the autonomous vehicle landscape, and we appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Anne.